Welcome to Family Chemotherapy, a corner for parents and caretakers fighting and surviving pediatric cancer. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hi, it's me, Adriana. Thanks for joining me today. I want to jump right into this next interview, but before I do, I wanted to give you a huge disclaimer that there were some technical difficulties in recording my portion. So I sound like I'm a robot. Uh, so I apologize in advance because um, I had to sit there and make a decision whether or not to re-record my part or to let it be as authentic as possible and just um, deal with the poor sound quality. Um, and I decided to leave everything as is. And the reason for that is because I am not an actress. And so if I were to sit here and redo all my parts and all my ah ha ha, it's like, I mean, it would be pretty bad. So I did want to just preface this and say, I'm sorry that my sound quality isn't all that great. It is something I will have better sound quality on the next episode. So I'm going to hop right on over and let you guys hear this amazing interview I have with Blair from the ACCO. Thanks. Hi, good morning. This is Adriana Lewin. Welcome to Family Chemotherapy. Today I have Blair Scroggs with me and she is with the American Childhood Cancer Organization, um, also known as at, also known as ACCO. And so I'm pretty excited about today's interview. She's got so much information and I've loved this organization for some of the resources that they have been providing hospitals and um, families directly. And so I just thought today would be an awesome opportunity to get to interview her and give you guys some more information on this amazing organization. So good morning. Thank you for, for joining me today on Family Chemotherapy. Um, Blair, could you start out by telling me a little bit about how you came to ACCO and how you just kind of got introduced into the world of pediatric cancer? So it's kind of funny. I, uh, I had my, I finished my degree finally after 10 years um, in 2015. And, you know, you just take a break sometimes. And so I ended up taking a break for a couple of years and I went back to school, finished, got my degree in PR and I couldn't find a job where I was living. And I feel like so many college students have that problem. Oh yeah. And, um, and so you fit, you know, you fall into retail because it's easy to get. And so I fell into just like a part-time job at Lowe's, um, while kept looking for a job. And then I ended up finding a job. I have a background in bridal, bridal retail specifically. Okay. So I ended up working as an assistant store manager for a company. And then, Nine months later, and I, I should mention that I moved 900 miles for this job. Wow. And um, nine months later, the company basically folded and went bankrupt. It was very famous. Um, it was very, just look it up. You'll, you'll know which one I'm talking about if, if you look it up. Okay. And, um, and so I felt very lost because my whole life, like I had always, I wanted to work at a bridal store. Like that's what I was doing, you know. But I also still had that pull to do public relations, event planning. You know, I love to write, I love to design, I love to do all those things. And so I still wasn't 100% fulfilled. So I was unemployed for a little while. 
um, which was actually good for me because I was able to design a portfolio that would really project me to, you know, to look really good in front of a lot of yeah. companies and, you know, PR agencies, things of that nature. Um, and so I ended up finding a temp job. That was all I could find at that time. And again, it was great experience. I, you know, I met some fantastic people who connected me with some great people. Didn't take me anywhere, but it did finally take me to ACCO. And when I found ACCO, I thought, okay, well, I was reading the job description and I'm like, social media. Yeah, I can do that. Design. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I can write, like I can do all these things. And so, and then, but I've, I'd never known anything about ACCO. I never knew anything about childhood cancer. The only childhood cancer I was familiar with was leukemia. Um, mm -hmm. because you know, that's they're probably the most, you know, famous, I guess, like that's yep. basically what I knew was leukemia. So I, um, I took a shot and I, you know, I went to my interview and I actually like created a, a whole PR campaign to kind of show them what I could do. And, um, I think, I think a couple hours later, I ended up getting the offer. Maybe it was a day later. I can't remember exactly. And, um, and so I've been there, I've been there. So I started in August of 2018, actually a week before childhood cancer awareness month started. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of like thrown to the wolves and I didn't know what I was getting myself into at that point. They didn't even tell you that on your interview. <laughs> they, told me, they told me that it was childhood cancer awareness month, but I didn't really like, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, cool. Right. And so I just remember being so busy every day, all day. Um, and it's okay. It was totally fine. And honestly, like I'm, I'm so used to it now that I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's just another month at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, so I worked for ACCO from August of 2018 to May of 2019. And then I left and okay. I took six months off and, uh, just, I came back. I came back in December because I just, I missed my families. I missed talking to the kids. Um, it's my favorite part of the job. And so I love, you know, just helping raising awareness for childhood cancer, but I also love just the interaction with the families. Like, I can't tell you how many families I actually text on a daily basis, just checking in. How are you? How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? Um, you know, just all the time. And so I just, I really love the flexibility and the creativity that I have, you know, for this job. And, you know, yes, childhood cancer can be very sad and very, yeah, you know, not the, not the easiest subject to talk about, but it can also be, you know, pretty interesting and, and very, you know, exciting to hear about these stories of these kids, specifically how resilient they are and how, mm -hmm. you know, especially these treatments that they have to undergo. And it's like, okay, well, I have no room to complain about anything, you know, because these kids with cancer are just going through all these terrible things. And, yeah. you know, it just really puts life into perspective and you really appreciate it so much more. And so that's kind of how I came into ACCO and learning about all this. That's amazing. I, you know, I often, whenever my kid is in, in the hospital and I meet a new nurse, um, I always ask them like, how did you end up in the world of pediatric oncology? Because, you know, it's like a 50, 50 split. Like some have a personal connection to it, whether like a sibling or a best friend or a family member that passed away from pediatric cancer. And then some who are just like, I just kind of fell into this and I love it. And I'm like, you are a special soul because this is like, I, like you, before my child's diagnosis, 
completely oblivious to pediatric cancer. I was like, oh, look, there's a St. Jude's commercial. You know, that's about it. Exactly. Um, I didn't really feel any personal connection to it at all. And so um, being thrown into this, it's like you realize very quickly the community that we become, it's like family, like people that we encounter along the way, they are like family, which is something I've never experienced before because it's like, I could talk to somebody for maybe like, you know, maybe five or 10 interactions online, but yet we support one another and root for one another in a way that I've never experienced. So, um, you know, for you to be thrown into this world of pediatric cancer, even though you don't have a child, or someone that you love that has experienced it personally, like it's amazing to see that your heart was moved enough to, to become part of our world, you know, and to advocate for people that need the extra help. And so thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, listening to that call and just following that heart and helping our cancer community. So Thank you. Yeah, it's been the best, honestly, you know, and I, it's funny because I think the only thing, like the only times I had ever really heard about childhood cancer, obviously is the commercials, like you're saying, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know, that movie, A Walk to Remember, like that movie, oh, I know. Me, you know, like, and so now I watch that movie, like I used to like ball every time I watched it. And like, now I just avoid the movie altogether. But if I do happen to catch it on TV, like, I'm like, okay, I know, I know, you know, about like, I'm so much more informed about it mm-hmm. too, but also that movie, um, what is it called? Is it the fault in our stars? Oh yeah. That's the last one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one who like, when my child was diagnosed, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what my life is going to be. Oh my gosh. Like I watched <laughs> that exactly one time. I'm like, I can't ever watch this again. I can't do it. Um, but that was my only exposure. I mean, I had no idea. I, you know, and I, there was a kid when I was in elementary school that had leukemia, but I was switching schools. So I didn't know him, but everybody was really upset because he passed away. And, you know, I didn't know, but I didn't know anything about, you know, leukemia. I I was never like around it. So when I, you know, when I applied for the job, I'm like, okay, well, that would be kind of cool to work with kids with cancer, you know? I like to help people like my, I have a servant's heart, you know, I like to help. I like to serve. I like to, you know, just kind of be active with other people. So why not, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and then I get thrown into it and, and, you know, I meet these families and I meet these kids and it's just like, oh, this is exactly what I need to do. Like, it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's such a great job. And I couldn't be more happy in my current position. You know, I, I, every day I wake up and I get to talk to kids and families and, you know, help raise awareness for this. And that ultimately is the best thing ever. Well, we thank you for doing that because, you know, you have been doing such a fantastic job and I love the, the, the personal touch that you give it, you know, that you're, that you talk about getting to know the families and just keeping up with them. Cause when I think of an organization, especially as big as ACCO is like, I don't think of like that personal touch, you know, it's like, Oh, it's a big organization. But the fact that you're still communicating with families personally. It's just, that's amazing. You know, it's just really amazing. It just shows your heart. And also, you know, it reflects on what the mission is really for ACCO. So um, can you share a little bit how uh, ACCO actually started? Yes. And so I, 
so obviously I've only been with the company for the organization for two years. So I didn't know a lot about it. And I know I had gone through that timeline and the history on our website way before, you know, in preparation for the interview. And, but it's been a long time. And so I had to do a refresher. I talked to my CEO, Ruth, and, you know, she and I were talking about it briefly, briefly the other day. And that was actually one of the reasons that you and I had to reschedule was because I just did not feel confident in, in everything. And so I really wanted to dig deep and research it. And to be honest with you, I did not, I didn't get to it until yesterday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I was so busy yesterday and Friday. Like just, it was just, it's been crazy, but you know, it's all good things. Um, So ACCO actually started, so ACCO started in 2010 is when the candle lighters changed their name to ACCO. So I'm going to back up. So candle lighters, so back in 1953, um, childhood cancer, like in the 50s, was basically, it was a taboo subject. And so families would get their diagnosis, they'd have to stay in their rooms, and they couldn't talk about it with other people. Um, Even the Bush, like George H.W. Bush, his daughter was diagnosed with cancer, but they couldn't talk about it with anybody. They couldn't publicize it or anything. And so that was really you know, I, I can't imagine going through that kind of treatment, right. diagnosis, anything by myself, let alone, like, it makes you wonder, like, could they even tell their families? Because I remember reading something about George W. Bush saying that he knew his sister was sick, but he didn't know why or how or what was wrong with her. Wow. I mean, can you imagine talking, you know, just your sister or your brother knowing they're sick, but you don't know what's exactly wrong with them. That just blows my mind. Do you know, maybe like, in theory, or can you kind of guess why that was so taboo? Like, why weren't they really able to talk about it? You know, I'm not sure. Maybe that's the question for Ruth that I can ask her. But I I can only imagine that it was just so, there was just so much unknown at that point that maybe they just didn't want to share it. I'm not really sure. You um, know, I'm going to, sorry, interject. I think, because I did look, you know, into the website and the timeline. And part is like, and I don't know if I'm, interpreting this correctly but what I did see was not only was it like taboo because you know your child is sick but the aspect of not as many rights for the families and I might you know because I worked in insurance for a while okay so um, before I became a therapist I was in the insurance world like group benefits and all that stuff and so like the HIPAA laws um, I think have evolved significantly, but even just things that you could be discriminated against later on, like, um, being able to get a job, all of those things. Like I'm, I'm wondering how much that really kind of played into it. And, you know, you might not have the answer, but I'm just, you know, when I was reading that, I was thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we live in a whole different world right now where we have more protection for our kids, but now anyway, so yeah. Go ahead. I mean, also think about how differently it is now versus, you know, back then. I mean, now people have accounts and they're 100%, you know, transparent with how they talk about their kids, with the, how they talk about their treatments. You know, they have whole Instagram followings, Facebook followings, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. you know, where they're 100% transparent around. And you think about that's only a span of, you know, since the 50s. So that's what, 70 years? But yeah that change, like that's insane to me. So yeah, so that's what happened back in the fifties. 
So um, in the late 60s, like 1969, there was a meeting in the basement of childhood of uh, Children's National in DC. And a lot of the parents and doctors who met there, they didn't know that they all had like that they were, that they were colleagues, you know, of each other or they, mm -hmm. they worked with each other or what have you. But some of them knew each other and they didn't know that because, you know, they couldn't share their child's diagnosis. Which is mind blowing to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> part of this, know. yeah, like part of the healing process, I guess, or, you know, like our support system is yeah. finding other parents who are going through it. And yeah. when you know somebody, like you personally know somebody affected by childhood cancer and you have no idea, that's just mind blowing to me. How do you keep that kind of secret? Yeah. I, I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, and how do you even like say that to your boss? You know, my child's sick today. You know, I got, I can't come in. I, my, my child's sick today. Okay. Well, what's wrong with your kid? You know, you, you can't mm -hmm. go into any kind of detail, you know, I don't know. It just, it blew my mind. Yeah. This is fascinating to me. My boss is telling me, she's like, you're going to find this fascinating. I'm like, you're exactly right. Um, so in 1970, the candlelighters were established and it was the very first uh, childhood cancer organization. And so volunteers were working in their homes and they began the grassroots lobbying um, to Congress. And so in 1971, Grace Monaco um, testified before the subcommittee on behalf of the candlelighters and introduced them as the voice to inform about funding, awareness, um, research, things of that nature. And so in 1972, 22 local groups in uh, were present in 19 different states and as a result of them testifying they got money for research they got money for um for like cancer control and then also clinical training and um one of which was under the children's cancer study group which is now a cog um childhood i'm sorry children's oncology group yeah i didn't so know that very interesting um so in 1970, I'm sorry, 1970, so backing up a hair, um, they ended up changing to a 501c4 so that they could get their lobby designation. Okay. Um, and then they changed in 1976 to a C3 so that they could get more um, support, increase awareness and education through people so that they could you know, distribute education Mm -hmm. They were actually, so this was so crazy to me. Ruth was telling me that basically they would have people go to the Na National Cancer Institute in DC and make photocopies of cancer information and distribute it. Like they would have to pay for a photocopy <laughs> and mail it across the United States. Like that just, that is, that is just crazy. Yeah. So it was insane. So by 1980, they ended up, um, there's like a period of growth. And so they ended up teaming up with the American Cancer Society. And so there was, there were some controls that American Cancer Society put into place. Um, they, so a ACS had complete editorial control over newsletters, anything like that. They wouldn't wow. allow, um, they wouldn't allow the candlelighters to 
uh, fundraise. And so anything they did receive, like it was just like some, it was just a lot of things that they were controlling. And unfortunately, you know, they had to restructure. Right. So um, by 19, let's see, 1997, 1998, my boss Ruth ended up taking over and she took everything and just kind of changed it up and has made it ACCO um, in 2020, I'm sorry, 2010. And she rebuilt everything in the 1990s. And it's, you know, at that point, there were more than 100,000 families that she was working with and, you know, 42 affiliates. And so now, you know, obviously we've got so many more families that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we just, that's, it's just been so crazy to see the evolution of how everything played out. And, you know, your, your uh, followers can also go on our website and read all about the history and the timeline. Cause I skipped over a whole lot of things, Oh yeah, uh, but it was, it's very, very fascinating to, to hear all about that. And just like I, when I was reading through it, I absolutely loved just the diligence, the persistence, you know, how they paved the way for families now. Like, thanks to Candlelighter slash ACCO, like, we parents have community, you know, they made themselves so vulnerable to expose that they have a child with cancer and whatever implications that would have on their careers, on their child's life and career, like future careers for those who would survive, like they paved the way for us. And that's just amazing. Like I had no idea that that was the history behind ACCO. So um, thank you so much for sharing so much of that history with us. And absolutely, um, my follow-up question, I guess, is, um, is the ACCO still actively involved in any of that funding for research for pediatric cancer? Yes, yes, definitely. So each year, obviously, we, you know, ask for, um, you know, donations and things of that nature. We fundraise. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the money goes towards resources, which we provide, which we're going to talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, we also do advocacy. So we encourage a lot of our families to take action. And so we constantly are posting stuff about take action, take action, take action, because the, the people in power respond better to people who have been there, who are going through it. Maybe if the kid, you know, happens to go to the, you know, whatever the meeting is, they will more than likely, you know, deem whatever, they'll give the money for it. Um, and specifically, um, in Kentucky, there's $5 million in research funds that have been put into place for cancer research, for childhood cancer research. Wow. Um, in Texas, we've also been um, involved with the CPRIT, and it's the um, Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas, and it was $3 billion B. Wow, that's amazing. Um, in cancer research funds. And so we've got an advocacy team that actually um, she looks at state incidences of mm -hmm. childhood cancer. And so then that's how we target what states we want to, you know, talk to next. Um, and then we also did five, we did a research project in five East African countries um, in which we would look at the cancer rate versus the poverty. And, and we found out that in lower to middle income countries, the rate is much higher. Um, because yeah. they just, they don't have access to treatment. And so it's just, it's 
fascinating to look this, you know, to, to learn this stuff. And so ultimately at the end of the day, we are trying to help raise awareness. Um, you know, we do have international efforts that we do as well. Um, we, last year, we sent over more than 10 million vials of chemotherapy um, to help kids in, to help kids overseas. Wow. So, yeah. And then we also, um, so that's called access. It's, um, and I can send you all this information, but yeah, yeah if you don't mind that way I can post it on the website because I think absolutely. that's amazing that I had no idea ACCO was that involved and stuff. Cause I don't like when you go onto the website, I don't think it actually has some of that, It doesn't. <laughs> which, you know, it's, I think it's just important to have that out there to show that it speaks to what the organization really is, you know, but, um, I just think that's amazing thing. You know, since you've got people in the higher ups, it's such a small organization, tell them, thank you on behalf yeah. of all the cancer parents, you know, because that's amazing. Um, what about on the mental health front? Do you guys do anything, fund any research on the mental health front for pediatric children or their families and siblings that are experiencing pediatric cancers? So in terms of funding, I'm not, I'm not sure that we do fund any kind of mental health. However, we do have a 24 hour online peer support group online on our website. Mm-hmm. And so that community is called Inspire. Um, and so if they go to our website, they can look that up. But then we also have, we're affiliated. Um, well, I actually connected with a, a survivor and he's an osteosarcoma um, survivor and he has created an, an uh, a young adult group. That oh, he, amazing! Yes. So, um, and and it's called Cozy Cancer Corner Support Group. I think something like that. Anyways, I'll give you the information. To yes, please do. It. Um. Anyways, and so they're they're really great too. They've got a great following online, and they just started like a month or two ago. And um, and you know, it's good because there's not a lot of things out there for the teenagers for the young adults Mm -hmm. so um you know everything seems to be geared more towards the children which is fine you know a lot of kids get it yeah but there's also that group that sometimes gets left behind so I was really excited when he came to me and he's like hey I'm starting this young adult group can you help me I'm like yes (laughs) yes I can that's amazing that is amazing and you're right like the teenagers and the young adults especially like the young adults because um you know, I was reading recently that, across, you know, they say over in Europe, across the pond. Yes. <laughs> so across the pond, um, some of the children are being treated in adult hospitals. And it's just mind blowing to me because, you know, when I go into my child's hospital, I've asked them like, so what age do you guys treat up until? And they're like, well, theoretically, we've seen kids here through age 25, but then there are some rare cases where adults have pediatric cancer, right? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they're treating these young adults in a children's hospital, like children's hospital is, it's set up to be warm and inviting for little kids, you know, to make their day seem less daunting and, you know, but that population kind of gets neglected. And I didn't realize that until I was in it, you know, that, wow, like I didn't even think about that. Like I just always assumed most of the pediatric cancers were younger. And then seeing that there are teenagers and young adults and you're like, 
well, I could see how coming into a children's hospital might seem kind of like, what about me? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. where are the resources for me? Where are my support groups? Like, I don't feel like I connect with other people here. And so, yeah. Um, so there's the young adults group, but there's nothing uh, that you know of specifically where ACCO is involved in research for mental health or anything yet. No, I'm not sure about that, but I can certainly follow up with you on that. Um, you know, the Inspire community is really fantastic and it's, you know, again, it's 24 hours. So yeah, you can go on there anytime and, and talk to somebody, which is wonderful. Great. Um, okay. So I wanted to kind of jump in and talk a little bit about the resources that you do have available. Um, I'm familiar with some, but I, you know, my nature is I research quite a bit, uh, you know, probably to my detriment, <laughs> constantly. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I'm constantly looking into things. So, um, but for those who aren't really that familiar with ACCO, I wanted to let you have a chance to kind of share what are some really helpful resources for the families. So we've got some really great stuff. We've got books, we've got um, kits and things that can help you facilitate learning. You can, um, so basically we have, we have our medical play kit. I'll start with that. Mm -hmm. And so it familiarizes the children with the medical procedures by doing a play therapy with Cozy, which is our mascot. And so Cozy has a port. Cozy has, um, you know, he's got a port and he's got, you know, uh, patches for the bone marrow aspirate and the G-tube and the hand IV. And so basically kids can just go ahead and perform all the procedures that they're going to get on Cozy, which is so exciting. That is. Um, we've also got a comfort kit, which includes Cozy playing cards, a pillowcase, a blanket, and a duffel bag. And this really helps with providing a sense of security and hope, you know, and hope despite, you know, their diagnosis. It kind of helps them kind of tag along all the things that they need, you know, to the mm -hmm. hospital. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just really good for that, um, for that, you know, because I know if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm, I'm going to take a bag full of things. So, yep. you know, little kids are always carrying around their favorite blanket or whatever yeah. they want. So, um, but in addition to those things, we also have an emotional um, communication kit. And this is actually donated by La Roche-Posay, which is a division of L'Oreal. And oh. um, it helps kids communicate their feelings through, um, through pictures, through um, pointing out their emotions. And so it's, it's, really really cute they get um this uh whiteboard that they get to draw their emotions on if they want to and then mm -hmm. they get like a card that they get to point um some stickers it's really cute but with all of covid happening um we actually put the emotional communication kit online we did uh, most of our books are also online currently but we are actually we're now back in our offices well i'm not um <laughs> some we have two two people that are going into our offices um, one of which sends out all of our research or um, all of our resources. And so we are sending out resources. We've got books. We're the largest publisher of childhood cancer books. And so we have these fantastic books. We've got journals. So um, we've got our along the way, which is more for parents. And um, you can document the treatments, the contact information, any kind of just anything. Like, I think it is just it's just so perfect for anybody like in medical, you know, that, that has a kid that's sick, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I think it could go with everything, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I think it's such a good resource to have. Um, 
we've also got the cozy cares journal for little ones um and it kind of helps them go through the the journey as well and then we've also got a teen journal that also is directed more towards them um and then in terms of other books we've got other books that we um send out and so we've got one that's chemo craziness and comfort mm -hmm. and so that one talks all about um advice for kids with cancer you know it has illustrations to kind of make it fun um but it helps parents make sense of the cancer treatment we've got a branded color me cozy book um, it's a coloring book for kids that our graphic designer actually came up with and she actually fielded a lot of um you know she she sent everybody on staff an email okay do you guys have any ideas for what cozy should do on this page or you know whatever so that was kind of fun because we all kind of had our, our input ah, nice uh, yeah, and so we've got several books. We've got a book called Educating the Child with Cancer, um, and it talks about, um, it's written by top researchers in the field. And so it's it's got expert advice, you know, it's just fantastic. Um, we've got a book specifically directed towards DIPG, and mm -hmm. so that's a pretty large book, and it talks all about DIPG and, and how parents can understand the journey, which is actually what the title of the book is called um we've got a clinical trials book that we offer we have a book called marvelous marley and it is it's for kids who've been diagnosed um ages one to five and so there's photos in it and then kids can identify with marley's treatments um and her hospital stay so it's really cool yeah and my kid actually has that book so he's really got that one yeah, that was given to him at the very beginning of his diagnosis, which was really, because um, he was three and uh, he was almost four when he got diagnosed. He basically turned four a month later. And so um, it definitely was very helpful for him to see pictures. And so we could sit down and kind of process what he had seen or experienced and to kind of see that he's not alone. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that he would ever want anyone to be along this with him, but I think finding a sense of security that there are other people out there who look like him because, you know, at that age, you don't understand what all these tubes are coming in and out of your body, why your hair is missing. And um, just like a random fact I'm going to share with you, like before my child was diagnosed with cancer, literally like a month or two before he looked at me. So I've got pretty prominent eyebrows. My spouse has pretty prominent eyebrows and he looked over at me and he said, mommy, I don't have as much hair on my eyebrows than you. <laughs> like, I don't have as much hair than you do on your eyebrows. And I was like, I know, baby, mommy has really thick eyebrows, right? <laughs> and so, um, you know, like, I keep playing that back in my mind and seeing him now without hair and thinking, I know he notices, I know he's trying to make sense of yeah, this, yeah, you know, definitely. and he's comparing his hair to the rest of the family and he was all you know he's only four technically and at that time he was three when he noticed the difference in our eyebrow hair you know so yeah that's a really I mean I can personally speak to that book it's a really good book for that age it's just plain simple language like not intimidating about you know the possibilities of 
what cancer could do. And so I, you know, I definitely recommend that book for any family. So, okay. And then the, you had some more books. Sorry. Yeah. So we do, we have a couple more. Um, so we do have um, a book for specifically siblings. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that also often gets forgotten. And so we've got, uh, we've got a book about first siblings. Um, and then we also have a helping to heal book. And so it's got topics like healthy food choices, cleaning supplies, um, and just kind of advice for safe, affordable household practices for families. And these are all, uh, for the most part, all of these are in our digital library, which are on our website. Um, but then in our digital library, we also have a couple other ones. And there's, there's a brand new one. Um, it's a kid's guide to radiation therapy. <gasps> That's and awesome. Brand new, brand new, like hasn't even been really released online media so brand new you could certainly post about this um so this was written by a girl scout and this i'm going to read you the description it says giovanna giovanna is a girl scout ambassador in long beach california she wrote this bilingual book in both spanish and english for pediatric patients and their families to provide medically accurate information she worked with radiation therapists oncologists and certified child life specialists Radiation uh, therapy is subject near and dear to her heart as she saw her mother go through it during her battle with breast cancer in 2019. So she wrote this book after her mom had cancer. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know. And so you have to read it. It's so cute. Um, And so it is on our website, on the digital library, and I can send you that link as well. Yes, please. As well. And then we also have a really fun book. And so this is, a, this is so funny. So I, you know, I write these Goldie Ribbon Hero stories each week. And so I had chosen this one little girl um, and her name was Eva. And so I connected with um, her, her aunt actually through Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, so Eva passed away mm-hmm. and um, Tracy ended up writing a book about it and it's called Eva meets Dr. Mac. And so the book is actually on our website. It is gorgeous. It's so pretty. It's brightly colored, but here's the deal. So it's written about Eva and her hair and hair is a character because when Eva lost her hair in real life, she was like, well, what do I do with my hair? And she's like, your hair has gone on a special adventure. You know, she took it from her. She's gone. It's gone on a special adventure. And so that's kind of how this book was born. Oh my and gosh. So I love that. This book is so cool. So you have to take a look at that. Um, and then we also have a 64 page book called you can't do that in a hospital. And it's a really fun, like little doodle pad for kids. And so we've just got so many fun resources, most of them of which are online. And, um, you know, I really encourage people to take a look at our digital library. It's, it's insanely packed with so many fun things. Um, That's awesome. We've also got some really great activities that we can do online too. We've got a game that you can print out and play. We've got um, some coloring pages. There's some Mad Libs in there. I think there's a maze. So all kinds of fun things. That's, that's great because, you know, not only are you addressing, because in that sense, you're addressing the mental health side of things because books are so resourceful for, for not only parents, but for children, because, you know, my kid used the Marvelous Marley and then the siblings in our home have used Oliver's story. Yep, that's and it. And we actually, 
we, when we started out in treatment, uh, we were in Houston and I'm actually bilingual. Um, Spanish was actually originally my first language. I didn't apparently didn't really learn how to speak English until I was like three or four. And, um, yeah, now it's English is my predominant language, but I still speak and can read and all that other stuff. But, um, we, that hospital didn't have enough English Oliver stories. So they just gave us a Spanish one. And I was like, that's fine. I can translate it. So, you know, my son and I would sit there and I would like open each page and I would have to like translate <laughs> what the content was on the page. Um, until finally, like during COVID, I was like, I can go to ACCL cause I was trying to find it in English, you know, cause my child doesn't speak Spanish. No judgment. <laughs> but, um, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm like, I need something that's going to be easier for us to read and for him to actually grasp and read along with the words. And, um, he has loved this book. He's six right now, but he goes back to it like at least once a week. Like I think just reading through it once to help kind of educate him what his sibling is going through is, you know, was going to be what he needed, but no, he goes back and reads it over and over again. And, he, and it gives us an opportunity to talk about what's in the content of the page. Yeah. Um, instead of just like reading straight through it, you know, cause I put my therapist hat on and I'm just like, let's talk about this. And have you ever felt this way? And yada, yada. So um, it is a very great book for siblings and uh, definitely in the, that younger age limit. And I still even think some of that even if you're like a tween, I still think you could still read through it and have educational, you know, conversations around what's in the book. So um, I'm really excited about this radiation book because that was one, you know, that it was kind of hard to find information on and yeah. explain to kids. And so uh, even though it is addressed in Oliver's story a little bit, but yeah, yeah, that was actually added, I believe late last week like it's that new <laughs> yeah so I got the skinny I didn't know anything out about it until until I saw something I mean it is it is brand new on our website so please take a look at it it's beautifully illustrated it's just it's great well I'm looking forward to that so yeah. um do you think that there are any resources that the ACCO like provides that people just haven't realized what kind of like Re, you know, treasure this hidden gem that you guys have. Is there anything that y'all have like that? You know, I'm not sure because I, I really try, especially if I talk to a parent, I'm like, listen, you need our resource. Um, you know, I actually have a friend, I have a friend of a friend and her son was recently diagnosed. And I'm like, I kept sending her messages. I'm like, I know, I know this is a big diagnosis. I know, I know what you're going through. I, I kind of know, you know, <laughs> you know, but I'm like, I know, but you need our resources. You need them. Um, and honestly, I always, I always point everybody to that medical play kit because that is really, it's so, it's so important. You know, people, people just don't understand how powerful it is for play therapy, you know, and, and, you know, our emotional communication kit, because sometimes kids can't, tell you how they're feeling but they can certainly mm -hmm. point to a picture yeah. saying how they feel you know so I think those two are probably the best out of them I mean everything's fantastic but those two are, are definitely the top awesome so I just have a couple more questions for you sure. um can you share a little bit about what founding hope is yes 
Um, so Founding Hopes, those are our boots on the ground. They are supporting their lo local hospitals, their local warriors, their parents, their community. Uh, they're helping bring people to ACCO to help so that we can get them resources. Mm -hmm. um, they're helping advocate for childhood cancer and awareness. They're giving back to their communities. They're raising dollars for research. You know, they're just amazing. We've got a couple um, that, you know, they organize meal trains. They do, they get bagels for, you know, the, the hospital wing, you know, to help with mm -hmm. them. They'll get gift cards for, um, you know, they'll just give gift cards to the social, you know, this, the social worker so that they're able to give them to the families, you know, for groceries, gas, things of that nature. Um, you know, just, and they're just there to help. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And so we've just got so many wonderful founding hopes and they, they all just do so many amazing things. Um, you know, our Jake's Dragon, they're doing their annual push-up challenge right now. And so they do this push-up challenge that just goes crazy every year. Um, and, you know, we've got, there's a virtual run that one of our others, it's called Karis's Cause. They're doing their virtual run right now. Um, usually it's like a big run that they do every year. Well, obviously with COVID, they're not going to do it that way. So it's virtual this year. Um, you know, with Grace, with Grace always does these bagels, you know, she'll, she'll, she's doing an event later on this month, um, on the 25th and it's a virtual wine tasting. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so she's doing that to help raise awareness. So they're, and she's got like a, an ice cream, a special ice cream, like in her area that, you know, if, if somebody orders that ice cream then a portion of the proceeds go to with grace, which is really cool. So just, they're always doing such awesome things. We've got one, um, one of them that actually donates pajamas that are modified, um, for ports and feeding tubes. Um, nice. yeah, that's a donation and they're just, they're fantastic. It's, it's such a great thing to, be a part of and, and hear about what the good that they're doing in their communities. Very cool. That's, I think just amazing. Cause I think many parents, when they go through this, they're like, I want to start some sort of nonprofit. And it's a really daunting process. It like I'm daunting. We do provide support in the, you know, I mean, if you needed, like we do like, um, if you need any flyers made or anything, I mean, and our, our founding hope coordinator, her name is Kelly and she is incredible. I mean, anything that you need anytime she'll talk to you, she'll help you through it. You know, I'm here, especially like with, especially like getting the word out there, you know, I'm always here to just put stuff out on social media. You know, I can help with that. Um, you know, I also help with doing some sort of social posting. So if they ever need any flyers, I can help with that. Most of the time our, our graphic designer does that, but sometimes I do it as well. Um, you know, I, I try to help as much as I can with the founding hopes. Cause I think they're such, they're so amazing. And so usually if it wasn't September, I'd be doing founding hope Fridays. Um, we did have a post that ran on Friday with founding hopes this past Friday. Um, but yeah, we, we try to showcase what they're doing every Friday. So my last question, and I know this is one of those topics that's near and dear to your heart. So I wanted to save this one for last, but, uh, what are gold ribbon heroes? Oh my gosh. It's the best part of my job. Um, so I actually run gold ribbon hero stories every single Monday at 8am and it is without fail. They're running all through September. Um, and so this September, actually we are running our Amazon plus ACCO ambassadors. And so, um, uh, we've got four kids. And so the first week was Bo. Um, 
and Bo is Bo ran last week. Actually, she ran from the first through the fourteenth ish. Um, yesterday we ran Santiago. Next week we're running Elizabeth, and then on the twenty eighth we are running um, Price. And so each week we try to showcase a child with cancer, and so um, you know it 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 helps to celebrate the individuals behind cancer, obviously. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of provide, you know, a little bit of hope, especially because these kids are fighting one of the hardest battles they're ever going to fight. And so if they can see another kid that's done it, then they could do it too. And, you know, what's the best part about it for me is that obviously I got to talk to the families and talk to the kids and, you know, I, I, had a call with a previous gold ribbon hero, um, his dad last night because I sent him a message and I'm like, I need to talk to you about Facebook. (laughs) And so he calls me at like eight o'clock. I'm like, I'm not in front of my computer. I'm calling you tomorrow, but I keep in contact with a lot. Like I said, I keep in contact with a lot of my families. I mean, there's a kid, his name is Steven. I'm not sure if you've seen him on our page, um, Steven, the cancer crusher, he does a lot of the cooking videos. For yeah. Him. Yeah. And, uh, and so he hasn't been feeling very well. So I've just been checking up on him the past like couple of weeks. And so I think it was maybe Sunday night at like nine o'clock at night. And so let me preface this by saying he lives in California. So he's three weeks, three hours behind me. And so I think I sent a message at like nine o'clock at night and just sent him, his mom a message. I'm like, how's he doing? Is he okay? And she's like, oh my gosh, it means so much that you're just sending a message. And I'm like, listen, I want to know how he's doing. I, know. I just want to know, you know? And so, but it's, it's, again, it's that personal touch. Like we just, you know, parents are just mind blown by your personal touch. So that's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I send random cards sometimes. Like I sent a card to um, Abby, which she actually, she, um, she's going to be on something this week. I'm looking, if I'm looking to the left, I'm looking at my calendar. Um, yeah. So Abby's running, Abby's running something on Thursday for me. And so I just sent a random little card and her mom was like, we got your card. It's in Abby's room. You know, just like, I just, I love, I love talking to the kids. Like, you know, um, you know, price he's running on the 28th and I keep up with that kid. He's just, he's adorable. He's, um, five years old. And I don't know if you want, if you've seen him, it's prayers for price on Instagram. And, uh, I don't think I have, Yeah, you got to look him up. He's adorable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I love the gold ribbon hero kids. I mean, Grace was one of my first gold ribbon kids that I ever wrote about. And she went and spoke at the, or she went and appeared at the state of the union. And since then has gone on to be a public speaker at, you know, 11, 12 years old. And, you know, now she's got her own founding hope called with grace, you know, so it's just really cool to watch these kids evolve into the most amazing kids that you could ever know. That's amazing. Is it, is it only for, I guess I, when I was trying to do some research, I'm trying to understand, is it only for the cancer kids or is it for anyone in the community? On our website, it does, it does say that it is for other, um, it could be for professionals, for anybody who's doing anything in childhood cancer. I will tell you that I've only written childhood cancer. I'm sorry. Um, gold urban hero stories on kids. I've really focused, um, around the children and, people love reading the stories every week. I mean, it's just really, I think people like to read those stories. They do. Yeah, they do. I know I do. (laughs) I like writing them. So, 
you know, and, and I'm just, I'm always so excited to get those written and it's crazy because my calendar's full for the rest of the year. And so when people are submitting them to me, I'm like, I, I'm going to get you on next year, <laughs> you know, and they're like, are you serious? But uh, there's only so many Mondays in a year. So yeah. Yeah. But that's still amazing that you're highlighting, you know, what these kids are doing because once you live through this and it's interesting to see how some families do like some families are like, we're done close that chapter. I don't even want to look at it anymore. Yeah. Like we don't want to talk about it. Like the children probably don't even want to talk about it. And then, yeah. um, but then some become like super, you know, powerhouse advocates basically in this whole, you know, basically helping them process the trauma and then also help those going forward. It's just, it's always interesting to see how that plays out, but we do need people who can advocate because it does help those who come behind them, you know? So I'm glad that you do highlight that. Oh yeah, most definitely. We've got um, like certain days throughout the year. I'll also write a little bit more or, or I will feature more kids. So like, um, this past June was, uh, one of the weeks in June was, um, cancer survivor awareness month or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But anyways, um, I featured, I think it was 22 or 27 kids. Wow. Day. Um, and so that, that lives on our website, but I'm actually still collecting survivor stories because I want to share that. I think it's necessary to share that kind of story. And so we'll do that. And then just like um, during Sarcoma Awareness Month, we shared a lot of kids with sarcomas throughout the month. Um, so it's not just obviously Mondays that we do the Gold Ribbon Heroes, but you know these kids are just every kid that I meet or every kid you know that I hear about or talk to their parents or what have you. They're just so inspiring, and, and it you have to share their stories. Um, and you're talking about advocating this, uh, so stay tuned for the 21st because um, Elizabeth's story is insane. She is an advocate. She's currently under treatment and um, she's 16 years old and she's just incredible. She's an advocate for, for um, childhood cancer and she's actually appearing on, um, she's one of the Amazon ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And then she's also working uh, with Laura Spursay so she's actually running on uh, later this month as well. So definitely keep an eye out on our social media because you're going to want to see what she has to say. It's really great. Awesome. Make sure you tag me. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Uh, I've loved talking to you. Like when we, when we met, quote, met, <laughs> when we did, you know, got on the phone last week to chit chat for a little bit. Um, I've just really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you and it was super um, great. yeah. So I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us and, you know, share your story and share ACCO and what you guys are doing, uh, for the cancer community and just being able to provide us with a list of resources, um, that parents can get for free, you know? Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Truly, you. Thank you, so you for helping, um, you know, raise awareness for childhood cancer and obviously, yeah. you know, featuring ACCO on your, on your podcast. Like we, we just 
We love that. We are so excited. And, but we're just so honored that you wanted us on here as well. It's just yes. been so nice to talk to you. And, you know, I've certainly enjoyed myself talking to you before the podcast and yeah. obviously on the podcast too. So thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing more about um, your son and his treatment and when he gets to ring that bell and we're so excited for that. Yeah, we're hoping, um, I think tentatively around October 12th that is, is when he gets to ring his bell. Yeah. So, you know, it's nerve wracking, but, um, it's at the same time, we feel very blessed that he, he gets to cross that milestone. So, um, you know, obviously I'm sure you've heard it, you know, transitioning can, can be its own, um, process, uh, emotionally and mentally for, for families. And so, a um, little nervous, but, you know, very blessed that we know that we get to cross that, that bell. And so now we're just trying to figure out um, logistics on how to celebrate that during yeah, COVID. So, definitely. yeah, so um, I'll definitely keep you posted and, you know, thank you so much and have a great day and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Awesome. Thank All you right. so, so much. Thank you all so much for listening to this interview. I hope that it provided you with some resources and just some information that will help you. If you have found this podcast helpful or you just love the mission for family chemotherapy, please kindly rate this podcast. If you want to support this podcast and ministry, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit patreon.com forward slash family chemotherapy. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. Also, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest for additional resources that I do share daily. Please tag and share your friends and other pediatric cancer families that you think would benefit from any of the content from Family Chemotherapy. Thank you, and I can't wait to share the next episode. Together, we can help heal the whole family.